Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. Uh, I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have the working girl, Jordan Smith, and the ginger clean shaven man, Nick Botterford. Nick, I thought we were growing that beard back out. What are we doing here? No, now that it's getting a little bit warmer out here in Seattle, it's, it's hitting its highs, man. It's like 57, 58 the other day, so it's getting too hot for the beard. Too hot for the beard. Uh, and Jordan, how are you? Doing great. Uh, just got back from Philadelphia, which wasn't all that warm. It was very cold and unfortunate, but um, it's it's nice that it's you know it's combine season draft mm-hmm. season around the corner free agency is coming up in like two weeks ish so that's always good always exciting time of the year before we hit the uh, dry month with not a lot of football content between uh, draft and training camp. You know what's also exciting? I'm back on the uh, I'm back on the bat wagon. Pictures of the- Robert Pattinson's Batmobile came out today. And let me tell you, it's a good looking Batmobile. I am I'm back in on Robert Pattinson as Batman. I can't believe you were you were even out. I know. I know. You seem like a RPAT guy. I am an RPAT guy, but those pictures came out of the motorcycle scene, and I was like, mm, this bat suit looks looks like a man in hockey pads, which we all know Christian Bale spits upon. I'm not wearing hockey pads. That's the difference between me and you. Now, Nick, it's your turn. I don't give a shit. Nick, you have to do the Batman voice. That's the whole point. That's the whole fun of this. No, I'll do Bane randomly later on. (laughs) Come on, I'm much more of a Bane than a Batman. (laughs) That's some good self-scouting right there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, Jordan alluded to it. The uh, since we last were in your ears, the combine went down, and there's a lot of great performances and a lot to talk about. So, we're going to get right into that stuff to start the pot off. Nick, in your mind, who were some people who really stood out and uh, were big winners from the combine? Well, so the person who has me most excited as uh, the obsessive late round quarterback guy is uh, Justin Herbert. The the I was first turned on to this as I do scrolling through Evan Silva's Twitter and Brooke, uh, he was commenting on uh, Bucky Brooks having made the comparison between him and Josh Allen. Uh, their their workout numbers were extremely similar, uh, specifically their three cone drill hitting uh, seven oh six for Herbert. I think it was like uh, six nine nine or something like that for uh, for for Josh Allen. Their forties ended up not being all that fast. Uh, Justin Herbert hitting four six eight 
Um, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get information on their 10-yard split, which I value basically is like the speed score for every position. Um, I'll be looking forward to seeing that. But basically, I think that Herbert, and he's he's similarly enormous. He's 6'6", 236. So uh, a, a 706 three-cone is awesome. A 446 20-yard short shuttle is, is awesome. 10-3 broad jump, 35.5 vert. Um, these are really good numbers from a guy who effectively is, is like larger than what, you know, John Gruden would have fetishized as the, the perfect pocket passing uh, sized quarterback, um, you know, back like when he was with the Bucks. I guess he had Garcia, who was six one. But anyway, um, the point is six six two thirty six. That is moving. Uh, he he's got a huge arm. What's what's going to be interesting about him is that he's such a different type of athlete than uh, the typical like sprinting quarterbacks of the like Vic. Uh, Lamar Jackson or, or, you know, those others uh, who weren't quite as prolific, but maybe like a slash, if you will. Um, you don't have to be blazing speed to still be a really effective mobile quarterback. And he's hitting the the threshold to basically make for a really exciting uh, mobile passer. And I, I, I don't, you know, he's not going to be valued as highly as the other uh, quarterbacks in this draft, like Burrow and uh, Tua. So I've, I've got my eye on him. I, I think that depending on where he goes, if a team is willing to let him just be a mobile passing quarterback and scramble for 40 yards a game, um, I think that he could, you know, he'll, he'll toss interceptions. But if you draft him and basically bench him and pair him with another guy, in the late rounds, like Baker Mayfield, I, I bet you could have a pretty awesome uh, one-two punch at quarterback in 2020. Yeah, he. Uh, I just did one of my post combine mock draft on fake teams. I have I have a hard time thinking that he makes it too much past six to the Chargers. That seems maybe it's a little high on him, but I feel like the Chargers are not going to go into 2020 with Tyrod Taylor as their starting quarterback and Justin Herbert, given the athletic intangibles and just the big body throw the ball down the field with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and that offense. And I think they're going to tag Hunter Henry. Like that's a great place for him to fall into. And I feel like that is a natural landing spot for him at six. I would not like them going there just because of what a, a donkey offense they run. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it would give him the chance to start right away. So that, that could get interesting. Yeah, I don't think six is too high because when we like, I don't, I don't know if I'm just speculating here, but when we look at the draft that you have Joe Burrow, who's obviously number one, and then I think Tua could honestly go number three, maybe even number two. I've heard some whispers about that on Twitter about him just going to Washington. So once those two are off the board, you got people who are just going to start like getting a little hot under the collar and being like, oh God, we got to get our guy like now we can't. Uh, you know, we can't dilly dally bet on him falling. Yeah. Um, I like Justin Herbert though, as somebody who came in and performed well at the combine, I would go on him, um, coming in because I thought that he was getting a lot of buzz as just like the quote unquote prototypical quarterback, which, you know, just basically is like code for this is a tall guy who throws the football. tall white guy who throws um, the ball. Well, yeah. Uh, shout out to Pride of Detroit and Kent Lee Platt. He um, developed relative, um, relative athletic score 
Uh, he has Justin Herbert's 10 yard split at 1.63, um, which is pretty good. Uh, it, it was considered elite um, according to his uh, calculations. And that's all uh, based on a bunch of things like how well you do with speed testing based on like your height and weight as well. It's, it's some sort of weird funky metrics that combines all that thing. It's, it's one, you know, considering rookie draft picks. So. Um, I, yeah, I think uh, weight adjusted that that's all right, but I, I would, I would hope that it, we, we get uh, some more clarity and that it's, it's a little bit, um, a little bit faster than that. I am just, yeah. So yeah, one, six, three, it's okay. Uh, like, so Josh Allen, just for comparison, uh, we six, four and a half or six, five, 237 pounds. So they're a pound difference. Um, he ran slower 40, he ran a four, seven, five compared to Herbert's four, six, eight, but he bested him in the 10 with a one, five, nine. I'd, I'd, I'd hope that someone was able to time Herbert in the one five nine. That'd be cool. But again, at six, six, it's like, okay, uh, size adjusted. That's good. More a little better. Jordan, who stood out to you, uh, in the combine? Uh, a guy that stood out to me, um, I hope this one isn't extremely obvious, but I really liked what Justin Jefferson was able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind yes. of feel like he was getting a little bit of a rap as just like the guy who caught passes from Joe Burrow down at LSU. Um, but I like that he was able to go in and post a better 40 time than I had given him credit for. Cause I watched a little bit of him trying to find clips of him and he looks like a, he's a little bit of a long strider. Um, but he was able to put together a 10 yard split of 1.52 seconds, um, 37 and a half inch vertical and a 10 foot six inch broad jump. Um, and I also like that he weighed in at uh, over 200 pounds. I think it was like at 202, which uh, I mean, he could wake up the next morning and be under 200, but I like that he weighed over 200 at that time. He's got to maintain and that weight and start bulking up a little bit more. Um, I, I think Justin Jefferson, especially with at the wide receiver mark, I, I think everybody's just really going to want to get their, like their deep with AJ Brown or their Debo Samuel, uh, especially contenders are like, we got to get our guy who can come in and contribute right away in a playoff setting or for our own playoff push and, uh, Justin can squeak into the first round because I think a lot of player or a lot of teams are going to be like, I we need one of these good wide receivers, so let me grab one, no matter who it is. Yeah, and he he did most of his damage at LSU out of the slot, uh, but he like you said at six foot one, two oh two, and ran a a four 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 D. Uh, he can play outside or inside, and I think that gives him a lot of versatility, which offenses will love. I think he was one of the biggest winners from the combine. I think his stock, he was, I think he was flirting with first round. Like I had seen him a lot of mocks going to the Saints uh, down in the late 20s. But I think this performance at the combine almost is a guaranteed lock for him to go within the top 25 picks. Uh, yeah, the, the kid seems like a stud. Uh, those workout numbers were awesome. The closer you get to one five flat is stellar. Uh, in in the the ten yard split, I'm on board with him being a first round pick. Uh, although I'm sure one of these elite wide receivers will end up tumbling down to the second round, and we'll have to hear about it for a long time. 
How well, did Terry McLaurin fall? <laughs> exactly. Well, a guy who I think is who's going to be a second round pick or a second day pick, maybe day or three or day two or excuse me, round two or round three in day two. Too many numbers, too many things. Uh, Chase Claypool destroyed the combine. Six foot four, two hundred and thirty eight pounds, and ran a four four three and jumped forty and a half inches. Uh, that's incredible. Those are some insane numbers. And in fact, they're so insane that there have only been two wide receivers in NFL history at the combine who measured six foot four, two thirty plus and ran a sub four, four, five. You know who the other one was? Some guy named Megatron. I, I think his God given name is Megatron Johnson. And then he got this weird nickname Calvin, which I don't understand where that came from. Uh, yeah. Am I saying Chase Claypool is going to be Calvin Johnson? No, but that's pretty elite company to be in. And that's a, that is a big physical receiver who can move. And I think that's going to be someone who I am personally going to keep eyes on as to where he goes, because he seems that's a saucy, a saucy guy to be looking at for both who could make a really big impact uh, in his rookie year. Um, we have a uh, breaking news alert. It might breaking not news. be. It's just, I just learned something. You guys, is Booger McFarland's son in the draft as a running back? Because there's an Anthony McFarland Jr. who went to the same high school as Booger McFarland. Or is it uh, Seth McFarland's son? I don't think it's him. But <laughs> uh, anyway, if we could have uh, somebody, a listener, please hit us up and let us know if we're going to have to deal with this shit. Uh, yeah, it'd be great. Uh, well, man, uh, that man's name is Junior because he's my son. <laughs> um anyway uh yeah i uh similarly uh or did you want to keep waxing poetic about your boy there pete no i i've i had waxed pretty poetically i feel like i did a really good job yeah so the the only other guy that i uh i mean there, there were a few uh freak athletes that kind of caught my eye but another one of the uh wide receiver genre was six foot two 212 pound donovan people's jones who was yes. a uh, according to the fantasy football podcast was a, a five-star recruit um, and he just failed. Now uh, he apparently had a, an extremely high uncatchable ball rate. According to PFF, it was the fourth highest. Among okay. Class. Yeah. Um, but he's going to be really fun to watch. I kind of had to blink at the screen here when I was looking at his workout numbers. We don't know the 10 yard split yet, but it's 40 it was a four, four, eight. That's just fine. Um, his vertical was a 44 and a half and his brush up was 139 and a half 11 inches. feet and seven inches for those who can't do quick math in their head. It, that's bananas. That's <laughs> preposterous. That's yeah. Fucking out of this world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, clearing 10 feet is like what you want to do. And if you get into the high tens, that's excellent. Uh, going 11, seven is absurd. And, um, and a 44 inch vert, I mean, you know, you, like a, a 36 is, is, is pretty decent. Uh, 37, you're getting good. 38, that's like, hell yeah. Um, I think for, for reference, I think DeAndre Hopkins was 36 and a half. Um, so 44 and a half is, that's, that's out of this world. But, you know, he didn't have good college production. We'll have to see what he can do. Um, I don't, I don't know his age. So, th- you know, that's, that's worth, um, 
looking into, but either way, he'll be someone who I will be watching uh, with whatever team he lands, because if I can get to watch this dude in any capacity, whether it's uh, preseason or not, he should be a fun watch. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of college football. Admittedly, the only time I'm really watching clips of college football is when I'm trying to find uh, a video of these draft picks in intellectual games. Uh, but I do know collectively from all my experiences around the sports world is that Michigan can talk sometimes. I don't know. It might be because I just know a lot of Badger fans. Uh, so I'm I'm not really holding people's phones, Ziz, uh, college production against him, uh, especially if like he can put up that sort of like freaky athletic number and he has so many uncatchable passes thrown his way. Um, I think in, like, the right situation, he could be just an absolute weapon, like, if he can run and jump that high and far and fast. I mean, he seems like a natural fit. He'd fit right into the Bills because he's used to being getting uncatchable balls thrown his way. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> uh, I also want to give a quick shout-out before we move on from the combine to Jonathan Taylor who the running back for Wisconsin who ran a four, three, nine at 230, 226 pounds, I think 220 plus pounds, uh, who I think the only other player who's done that is Saquon Barkley. So again, elite company for size and speed, but he's someone who I think that really helped his stock. And I wouldn't be surprised. I actually, in my mock draft on fake teams, I have him going to the saints now because I feel like, Alva Kamara as a workhorse back did not go well. So let's go get a bruiser down the middle who can hit a home run ball uh, and rejuvenate this run game into the two headed threat that it was with Mark Ingram. Uh, so Jonathan Taylor with that size and his ability to run through the tackles as well with four, three speed. That's uh, pretty nice. Taylor Taylor's an excellent pass catcher though, isn't he? Uh, I think he is good. He's not as good as JK Dobbins. I think Taylor, that was one of the questions going into the combine was Taylor's hands. And then he flashed strong hands in the drills. That's my understanding. I think JK Dobbins okay. is the more natural ball catcher. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't like getting a lot of passes in Wisconsin because it's like Wisconsin is just going to run you into the ground 50 times a game. But uh, yeah, the, the pass catching drills apparently were pretty good. Do we, uh, do we think that that's why Pete Carroll and the Seahawks just run the football with Russell Wilson? Because they watched Russell Wilson's college tape and they were just like, oh, Wisconsin ran the football with Russell Wilson as quarterback. That's what we should do to make Russell Wilson as successful as possible. Do you think they only pay attention to college tape and not Russell Wilson's current NFL tape? Nick, your column. I, I mean, I, I think that Pete Carroll <laughs> built his pro career off of all of the recruiting he did at USC and then was out of ideas once he didn't know who else to draft. <laughs> Any other names at the combine that stood out to you guys? Um, I got a couple in case, uh, you know, there was some overlap. Um, I liked uh, AJ Dillon, uh, who was a running back out of, oh God, Boston College. Am I messing Yeah, I think up? so. Uh, out of BC, who is just a, a big boy, um, he was he weighed in at 247 pounds at just over six feet tall. Um, but he ran a four five forty, 
and had a 41 inch vertical and a 10 foot 11 inch broad jump. So just on the precipice of an 11 foot jump. Um, his three cone kind of sucked though. Uh, it wasn't great. Um, so it kind of looks like he's just a downhill guy who you might just, you know, put out there onto the field as a battering ram. Um, that I like to, um, I didn't, I was a little bit worried about concern. I was Michael Pittman Jr. Super USC. Um, he does have pretty elite size and um, at six foot four. Uh, watching him a little bit on tape, I kind of thought he looked a little slow and just not, I don't know, a little Mike Williams for the Chargers esque there. Um, but his, but running a four five was better than I assumed. Um, his 4.14 shorts uh, shuttle was the second best time among uh, wide receivers, which was pretty neat. Um, and he is six foot four with the 36 and a half inch vertical, which can be a uh, pretty, pretty good trick to have down in the red zone. So I think he helped himself be a, probably a day two pick at least. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good to move on. I, you know, looked at a bunch of weirdos who excelled in, in little spots, but we're, we're going to bore the listeners if we go too much into the weeds. We we'll do, we'll do a this. big deep dive, or maybe not a big yeah. deep dive, but we'll talk more about these guys once we get closer to the draft. Uh, quickly though, before we move on to the, to the crux of the show, I want to do a quick, how worried is Pete that Tom Brady might leave the, uh, in free agency update? And, uh, Pete's starting to get worried. Jeff Darlington at the Combine said he'd be stunned if Brady returned to the Patriots. Uh, and it seems that the Raiders and Titans are seriously in the running for Thomas's services. And the 49ers, who just have decided that Jimmy G is no longer their franchise quarterback, are now throwing their hat into the ring, which makes so much sense. Uh, I'm still holding on to faith that he uh, will come back, but can't help but there's a little bit of dread seeping into my brain right now. Is there any tampering issue? So they, they both share the same agent, right? Is, are they still both signed yep. by the same? Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So I like, I guess what I'm wondering here is like, is there anything wrong with them with all parties involved working out some deal where they sign the Niners simultaneously sign Brady as a free agent, then Garoppolo goes to new England and, like you know, can that are we talking about a, a Tom Brady Jimmy G sign and trade? Because Bill Belichick has been waiting to do that since the instant they traded away Jimmy G. I yeah, I I mean, I just don't know why Brady. Because I here's the thing: if they if 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 they put pen to paper and they bring Brady back to the past, he's not going to be like. Okay, yeah, now I'll pack my bags for San Francisco. <laughs> you know, he's gonna be like, no, I'm staying in my multiplex at in New England. You know, like I'm, he's not gonna do that. So I'm just wondering if they, I, I don't know, if they can make some weird deal where like what the Patriots send the Niners is just that they don't re-sign Brady and that they're willing to take Garoppolo's money off the Niners' books or something like that. Maybe. I'm here. I'm here for wild speculation. I do think I, I don't know. I think that the Patriots are very much of the like Brady go out, talk to every team you want, because 
because I think the Patriots are just their whole pitch is not money related. Their whole pitch is, is like, hey, do you really want to learn a whole new offense? And do you really want to learn a whole new terminology? And do you really want to play with a whole new team and have to like teach your wide receivers how to do exactly what you want all in one offseason for this to work? And that's what they're relying on. That's why the Titans are the only team that really worries me because I think there's a lot of similarities with Mike Vrabel there. Uh, other than that, I, I just have a really hard time seeing Brady leaving, but I can't help but get a little bit nervous uh, given the amount of actual traction it seems like this story, these stories have been getting. The Titans are that is so interesting because, I mean, they, they'd basically be kissing you know, Tannehill goodbye. So they they bring Brady in, presumably draft his replacement this year. They'd commit probably to Derrick Henry, right? They'd resign him. They'd be all in for for going for the Super Bowl this year. I think Logan Ryan's a free agent. So what are they going to do there? Um, it it's such a bizarre. It's a realistic fit, but it's such a bizarre scenario. Uh, I think it could work there. I just the idea of Brady going to the Raiders just cracks me up. Like, can it's you imagine happening. he's trying to talk to, he's trying to like work with Hunter Renfro and shit. And like, you know, cause he, he'll, he'll throw the ball. I mean, you could explain this better than, than I can, but like the mind melt that he must have with a receiver before you will. Even there's no way, there's the no way he's no, no, there's you no way he's, he's going to, to go play under John Gruden. I, I, that's the thing is like he's trying to talk to these receivers. John Gruden's like, "Tell you what, man," in the background, he's like, "Brady's gonna lose his mind." We're just gonna run it out, and Brady it, I, just throw it down there. And he can't, he can't throw downfield anymore. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Brady's arm strength is still there. Uh, His arm strength is still there. It was looking pretty hot uh, last year. I don't see any sort of scenario for Tom Brady to go to another team in which that you should be worried about him going there and um, taking wins. Like, I don't think he would be all that different in Tennessee, uh, Oakland, or God damn, I already did it. I mean, it's going to take a while before uh, we do that. I, I still do St. Louis Rams or Los Angeles or San Diego Chargers. San Diego, San Diego, they just need to go back. To they just San need to Diego. go back. Um, the the Raiders are worse, like as a overall roster. Like he's not going to have as many good targets to pass to. Um, he'll likely have a bunch of rookies. Um, San Francisco, I cannot see them realistically giving up a quarterback that they just played a Super Bowl with. Uh, that seems a little dumb especially considering that Jimmy's contract, I believe just gets significantly cheaper um, in the coming seasons. And I don't know. I don't think Brady has as much leverage as, um, you know, his agent or whomever might like him to believe, but I also don't think the Patriots have that much leverage either. So I think at the end of the day, they might be stuck with each other. Stuck. Yes. That's what happens when a team that's won six Super Bowls gets their quarterback back. They're stuck. Well, it's like, I mean, realistically, you look at some other teams that might like need a quarterback. 
we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and that a lot of teams have a guy that they're still like either trying to figure out or right. they're going to yeah. be picking somebody in this upcoming draft that they're like, you know, we, we t- tore down on our entire uh, team. We stripped our roster of old guys and we're going to build up with the young core. Like, you know, you think of Cincinnati and um, Miami in that case. And it's just, there's not a whole lot of, places for him to go there's not a whole lot of places for other free agent quarterbacks to go so it's it's tough situation all around i would say so there's my tom brady update before we move on we are going to take a quick ad break you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back, and I dropped a bomb on fake teams this week, posted my top 100 dynasty players for 2020. So it is time for Nick and Jordan to have their way with me. Just how I like it. It's time for my top 25 dynasty players for 2020. Or who I'd most want to start my dynasty team with if I were to start a dynasty team. So let's start with the top five, my top five and work our way down. We'll go by five. So this is the top 25 on my, and you can find this on faketeams.com, the whole 100 list. Uh, my top five, number one, Christian McCaffrey, number two, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook at three, Michael Thomas at four, and Ezekiel Elliott at five. Any, uh, any comments there? That's uh, I'm would I mean you could shuffle the top five except for maybe Michael Thomas? I might actually swap out Nick Chubb for Ezekiel, but uh, Ezekiel Elliott is 24 years old. Somehow I feel like he's been in the league for like 10 years, and yet the guy is 24 years old. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to go with McCaffrey as number one, but I think Elliott's my number two. Um, he does not really get hurt. Uh, both Cook and uh, Barkley have had significant injuries um, in their first couple of seasons. Um, Michael Thomas, he, he was your number three or four. four. Um, yeah, I think you can really, depending, as long as there's a, a PPR or half point PPR aspect to this, um, I have no problem with him being in the top uh, five. If it's full point, put him at number three. Um, but definitely Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, um, and then probably either Barkley or Thomas 
and and Cook. I mean, Cook's injuries have just been so much more significant than uh, than Barkley's, who's who's had significant ankle issues. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest issue is just that that Elliot goes from whatever he had him at four or, or five. Yeah, up to two for me. Five to two. That's fair. I just I just Saquon Barkley was incredible his rookie year and his sophomore year was clearly hampered with injuries. And you're hoping that those injuries aren't anything too, too serious and that he can return to what he showed us his rookie year. But you're right. Dalvin, my number two and three have had injury problems in their young careers. And Ezekiel Elliott does not offer that. So that's a fair, that's fair. Let's move on to six through 10 at six. I have Deandre Hopkins, number seven, Devonte Adams, number eight, Nick Chubb, nine juju smith schuster and 10 joe mixon uh juju i actually bumped up quite a bit from where i initially had him because he's another guy like saquon barkley where i feel like juju smith schuster is a very good wide receiver an exceptional wide receiver and we just missed that this year because of the fact that he was playing with you know 700 different quarterbacks because none of the signal callers in pittsburgh could a either stay healthy or b were good uh and so i'm hoping you're hoping that with either big ben coming back healthy or the steelers making a commitment to the quarterback position somewhere else that he can return to what we've seen in the past that being said Maybe we'll never see it because he no longer will have someone like Antonio Brown on the outside to draw attention away from him. But I still have some faith in him, and I think that he is still has a, a fair amount of value going into 2020. Do the Steelers have cap space to sign Tom Brady? I just want to make you mad. <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, that might highlight the teams, the list of teams that I would hate to see Tom Brady play for. The Jets being probably number one, the Steelers certainly number two. Um, yeah, I'm not exceptionally high on Juju Smith-Schuster. I wasn't very high on him last year, and I'm still not because I don't know who's going to be throwing him the football. Um, and, and it's hard to tell, you know, what kind of production he's going to get if he has, you know, Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges throwing him the ball at, at number nine overall. Um, I think there are some guys behind him. Um, you look at, you know, see the Godwin or Amari Cooper, who I would definitely take ahead of uh, Juju. Okay, Pete, I need you to rapid fire one more time, six through 10 for me. I was so thrown off by, uh, go, we'll go. Then I'll take it apart. <laughs> Hopkins, yeah. Adams, Chubb, Smith, Schuster, and Mixon. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Chubb, Smith, Schuster, and, and Mixon, those are crazy. Um, I'm I'm in for Hopkins being where he is. Uh, Adams, to me, feels like a yes, but just sort of by, like, I don't know who else to put there. Right. Um, but, man, I so I don't think that there's any way that I'm going to be so low on Alvin Kamara. I think he's oh, got to be. Oh, yeah. I knew that there. was a sticking point. Yeah. Um, now I want to be that high on uh, on Nick Chubb, but it's really challenging. Frankly, I think I it, it really depends on who the quarterback is. But I might put Chris Godwin there. That's so. That's fair. I'm I'm certainly lower on Chris Godwin. We can get into the into ten or eleven through fifteen. Who I have. Mike, well, quickly on Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, I don't think that the Browns are going to re-sign Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt's going to leave in free agency. 
And they we already tendered, used, they tendered a, a, a did they tender option. him? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then maybe he yeah, won't leave in like, free agency. I, so I would cram Chubb into my top 10. I would somehow yeah. get him into the top 10, but it's really tough for me. I, I probably will just have him end, ending up being like number 10. So I, I would probably go uh, Godwin and then, um, God, oh, that's so friggin' tough. You know, what's interesting is like, I, I, and this is just, everyone will giggle hearing me say this, but like I, I my most intriguing name is, is Miles Sanders. Where to put Miles Sanders? Um, hey, I got, but, I got, where do I have Miles? I got Miles Sanders in my top 35. Yeah. So I'd have him like in a top 15 probably, but anyway, I, so yeah, like Chris Godwin and, um, or, uh, yeah. Hopkins, Adams, Godwin, sure. Then Chubb. Um, and then what's funny is like, it, it might, it might then be Mike Evans. Um, well, so that's, but, and so at 11, I have Mike Evans. 12 is Josh Jacobs. 13 is Alvin Kamara. 14, Amari Cooper. And 15, Tyree Kill. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I just realized that I, I was overlooking Cooper and Hill. So I would, oh man, I'd probably put Hill ahead of Godwin. Um, anyway, I've thrown this off with, with, with my, uh, my tangent here. <laughs> that's the whole point of the discussion. I'm trying to think of it uh, like as a dynasty draft. Like if you have a ten or twelve team draft, like right. where does the first round start and when does it snake back around? Like, would you be happy with Josh Jacobs and Alvin Kamara as bookends? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that, that's just mentally how I'm trying to think of it. And that's and that's why that's what the phrasing of the title. These are these are if I'm starting a dynasty team right now. This is like the ranking of where which player I'd most want to start with. Uh, Alvin Kamara, I have him at 13, and I have him that low just because of what we saw last season, and because I I feel like we have seen the best from Alvin Kamara, and it was it's great. It was back when he had Mark Ingram and, and the Saints had that two-headed passing attack, and that was incredible. I don't know if Kamara is going to reach that again. I don't know. I don't think that he is a standalone only running back in a backfield team. I think Sean Payton knows that. Nick loves to point out uh, the Sean Payton story of him saying that that uh, Alvin Kamara isn't hard or whatever the phrasing is. Yeah, he's soft. He's soft. Um, and so, and meanwhile, Josh Jacobs is the clear number one back in Las Vegas, uh, is a three down back, can do it all and has done it all, did it all his rookie year. So I, if you're going between the two, I know it might sound crazy, but Josh Jacobs, I would rather have for the foreseeable future than Alvin Kamara, simply just because I don't trust Alvin Kamara to, I guess I, I don't know. I have lost faith in what Alvin, what we thought Alvin Kamara was given this past year. That's fair. I think the, the simple fix is that like you just get him back down to 15 touches a game. And I think his production will go back. Up. Totally. Like a dude who can produce at a really high level. Um, if he's got limited touches, which is weird. And, and, and maybe it's the, it's the Aaron Jones syndrome. Aaron Jones is the same way. I think there's going to be some backs that are just you once they're, you know, they have a, a touch window that if they're in that window perfectly. They're very productive. Anything past that is a little too much. And I think Josh Jacobs can be a 20 plus touch guy. And so I'd rather take that than uh, than like a 15 plus touch cap. 
I knew it was going to be. You have to, when you're making rankings like these, you guys, let me just tell you, uh, you have to add a couple of sexy, intriguing, you know, clickbaity things. Not having Alvin Kamara on the top 10, pretty clickbaity. That's, that's, uh, that's how it's done. Having two quarterbacks in the top 25, also clickbaity. We'll get to them. Don't worry. That's that's to intrigue the listener to stay tuned because I know it's a big mystery as to what two quarterbacks I could possibly be talking about. Uh, 16 through 20, Chris Godwin at 16 I have. I have Odell Beckham at 17. DJ Moore at 18. 19, Aaron Jones. And 20, our first quarterback off the boards. Lamar! Listen, I love Lamar Jackson as much as the next guy, but if there's going to be a quarterback taken off the board at 20, it's got, I'm sorry. I love Lamar Jackson. and I think he's great, but I think longevity wise, especially if you're starting to see that Patrick Mahomes is probably a little less of a risk. I would say. I think that's fair for, in terms of injury, I just, and it'll be, we'll see what Lamar Jackson's running game continues to look like, but with Lamar Jackson, you are getting, a top five fantasy quarterback and a top 10 fantasy running back all in one neat package. And that is very hard to pass up, especially in an offense that is basically will happily is happily constructed around him and will always adapt to suit him as well as he can. Uh, Yeah. I'm just not putting a quarterback in the top 20. So pass. it's fair. But again, sex sells Nick. This is this is why I try to get you to grow that beard. <laughs> Sex sells. Sorry. Also, is DJ more the youngest player on this list so far? Oh, Josh Jacobs is also. Josh, 22. they're both but 22. DJ Moore, I feel like has been in the league. I feel like DJ Moore has been in the league for a bit now. I and somehow he's only 22. It's crazy. I traded for him. He came in his playing. I traded for him in uh, in my league last year, this or this past year, and and had him through his like super hot streak, and I just I just fell in love with him, and now I'm so high on him. He looked so good for the Panthers, even with their god awful quarterback, whose name I can't, Kyle Allen, uh, tossing him the football. And so, if you get a healthy Cam Newton in there, even a seventy percent Cam Newton in there, or whomever they want to put in a quarterback, uh, I'm still heavily riding the DJ Moore train all the way into 2020. I dig it. Yeah. All right. And my final, the final five players in my top 25 dynasty players, we have 21 Julio Jones, the oldest man in the top 25, uh, AJ Brown at 22, Kenny Galladay at 23, Patrick Mahomes, 24. And then our first tight end George Kittle at 25. I will say that I am taking Literally any of the any of those other four, um, including looking down the list a little bit, I'm cheating right now. Uh, guys like Cortland Sutton and Nick's boy Miles Sanders and DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, I see at 39 over for Julio Jones. I've never been a very big Julio owns guy, and I'd rather like if I'm starting a team, I'd rather have one of those other guys um, who isn't 31 years old, who still has a lot of production years ahead of them, and who are playing with, relatively speaking, playing with some quarterbacks 
um, and playing in offenses that are not the Falcons. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you go, if uh, you go, it doesn't help you, that Maddie Ice is not very young. Yeah. If you go with your, if you go with your 12 team draft kind of strategy snake, then Julio Jones is like the back end of the second round. And then you could snake into, at least according to my ranking, snake into like a Miles Sanders or snake into a DJ Chark, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. Like I personally, if I'm built, if I'm late enough in a, in a dynasty draft, getting someone like Julio where you're like, all right, veteran, I know exactly what I'm going to get. Maybe he'll drop off in two to three years, but he still will have name recognition where I could probably make a move for him before he has a massive collapse, barring any kind of serious injury. I could trade him, but I know I've got at least a solid producer who's going to be a top five receiver for year one and maybe even year two. And I can then have take a, you know, take a shot on someone like DK Metcalf, D. Bill Samuel to really take that big jump in their sophomore year and not be solely reliant on a young wide receiver to carry the receiving load. Yeah, it's just, it's honestly with Julio, just personal preference. Um, I've done like a couple dynasty drafts and my position most been like, I don't really care what happens in year one. If I perform really well with my dynasty, that's great. But I'm mostly building for like longevity. And at at like, if I'm throwing away Julio or a first year with Julio at 31, that means next year he's going to be 32 when I'm really starting to try to put together a winner. Um, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> this is so challenging. Not, not that I disagree. Like there's just so much, like what's so funny is I think I'm much more in the mood of like, yeah, I want to win now. And like the idiots that I do leagues with. Dude, shots fired. Leagues, all those people oh, listen to podcasts. Yeah. I left one of my leagues this year and I feel free, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I got like Alan Robinson in there in the early twenties, DJ Chark. Thielen. Um it's tough. Props props to you, man. I this this one's taking a really long time. Yeah, I mean, so again, like for me, and you can find the whole top one hundred list, my whole top one hundred list on faketeams.com. Uh I it, it made it easier when I went through the when I used the thought experiment of like, I'm starting a dynasty team, who would I rather have? Because then when you get to when you get into those like weird clusters where it's you know like, uh, let's see, here's a good cluster. You get a uh, Corlett Sutton, Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen. Like that's a cluster of four wide receivers. Those guys, Allen Robinson, I've always loved. I loved him in Jacksonville. I'm so excited for what he did in Chicago, even with the shit of Mitchell Trubisky. And so you, I can make, I can order tier those wide receivers just in my own head. I have Adam Thielen pretty far down there just because I, and this is, possibly unfair of me and it's almost certainly unfair of me i just feel like adam thielen has maybe one good year left in him before he just suddenly becomes not the explosive receiver that we've seen him uh so far he's been struggling he's had some injuries this last year and i think that i probably had him a little too low but the guys above him evan ingram like even evan ingram michael gallup tyler boyd austin eckler carry on johnson chris carson Depot Samuel, DK Metcalf, those were all names who I'd rather start a dynasty team with than, than Adam Thielen. So you get those things. And yeah, then it probably pushes names down a little too low, but it does make the kind of organization process, at least for me, made it a little bit easier to, to piece it all together. That's all fair. That's all very, very fair. Thanks, Nick. Uh, what, 
I yeah, try to be I fair. Just, it's just so interesting. Like, uh, what do you do? Do you try to win first? I see. I, I think I try to win first and then just trade picks constantly. And Jordan tries to build a team with longevity. I get so obsessed with draft picks. It's, it <laughs> gets a little annoying. We, we, but we, we would be really good in a, you guys, in you guys RB1 would feed together. off of each other. Yep. They would just have this like picks. superior team of veterans and Jordan would have every draft pick for the next 10 years. Yep. My team would have so much potential. <laughs> <laughs> Not realized potential, but just regular. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan is potential. all for the you can get a boat or a mystery box, and Jordan's like, "Oh, <laughs> give me the mystery box. It could be a boat. <laughs> the mystery box could be a boat." <laughs> oh shit! Well, there you go. If you want to see the full, like I said, full 100 list, my 100 top dynasty players for 2020, make sure to check it out on faketeams.com, uh, along with all of the good stuff that we're putting out there. It's fantasy baseball season coming up, so if you if you partake in that, make sure to tune in. We have the occasional fantasy football stuff going up there, too, uh, including this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, Fake Teams, on everywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Oh, we are there. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27, and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week to our original Tuesdays, I do believe. But until then, peace.